0: Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter.
1: Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. I am your co-host, Cliff Schechter. You're along with the ever-interesting John Aravosis. Hey, John. Ever-interesting. Hey, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey. Um,
1: we're, we're lucky to have an excellent guest today. Um, sadly, in light of the recent, uh, yet again, another shooting incident, if you'd like to call it that in New Mexico, um, we never can go very long on this. Well,
0: I didn't even. Discussing. What was that? I didn't even see that one.
1: Ugh, we'll get we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> but um, um, I'll get back to my train of thought. So in any case, um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Af- uh, we'll introduce our guests in a second. We're going to talk about updates on Afghanistan, COVID, maybe a couple other things. Um, but why don't we start with jumping right in? Well we're lucky enough to have Dr. Chafin Sapia here. Um he's a pediatric trauma surgeon. Um and um is I'm trying to find it. You're it's at the Northwell Health Gun Violence Prevention Center. You are the director. Um I'm correct about that. Yes?
2: Yes. Thank you. For
1: having- just, sure. I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I get the title right. I had it in front of me and then things always happen. Um and we want to talk about the excellent efforts um, North World Health is leading, which is the biggest health system in New York, leading efforts where now we have a number of health systems who are getting involved, uh, who see recidivist gun violence, to try and come up with ways to prevent that, um, because this is a public health issue. And as we talk about often on this show, gun control is a big part of it, but so are many other things. So welcome, Chathan, And um, how are you? Let's start with that.
2: I'm doing great. I I really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, chat about this important issue, especially with what's going on in the country right now.
1: Uh, it, it is incredibly important. It's funny, I'm looking at the page here at Northwell, and I see here you yeah. and having a, a uh, conversation with, as you. it's written here, firearm advocate Fred Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that only because um, on the positive side, Fred is a good friend of the show, he's a good friend of mine. On the really sad side of it, to just give an idea to people how widespread this is, this is an issue that I've been working on since I, I helped work, create the digital PR platform for um, Every Town for Gun Safety back in 2008, 2009. And so I met many people who are sadly uh, survivors of gun violence after the fact. But in this case, his sister, Fred's sister, Abby Gutenberg, is a doctor who lives here in Cincinnati, where I live. And she was a friend of mine. And I knew her before. And then, of course, this horrible shooting happened in Parkland, and suddenly I knew somebody whose niece um, had been murdered. Um, and so if anybody who thinks this issue won't end up touching you, whether you work on this or not, I mean, this is, this is a, a pandemic of its own here. So what are you guys doing? Let me kick it to you and stop talking about myself here. What are you doing, Jason, at the Northwell Center for Gun Violence Prevention um, to sort of take on
2: this issue? Well, first of all, you know, it's, it's crazy that, you know, it's such a small world that, you know, Fred, um, yes. he's, he's really been a tireless advocate and, you know, survivors and families are the ones that are doing the hard work, just like you're saying. Um, and, and this really touches everybody. It, it's in all of our backyards at this point, gun violence, whether you're talking about firearm related suicide, homicide or accidental right. injuries, this can touch any of us. And we're, we're all seeing that, you know, depression levels are going up across the country there are increasing violence rates across the country. So I think this has never been a more important public health crisis for Americans, though it has been there for decades and decades. Um, At Northwell Health, you know, I, this all started back in 2019, um, December of 2019, when Michael Dowling, our CEO, took a big stance on this issue and said, enough is enough. And surprisingly enough, he's actually one of the only large health system CEOs in the country to ever take a stance on gun violence. Uh, Many are reluctant to do so. They don't necessarily want to get political, even though we don't view this as a political issue. You know, we firmly say this is not about the Second Amendment, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. It's not about gun control. This is purely about harm reduction and keeping people safe and, you know, and and improving safety of the household. And so after that call to action, uh, that led to the development of our Center for Gun Laws Prevention at the Northwell Health. And um, we're very focused on charting a public health approach to this crisis figuring out what works, what doesn't. And we're very much about coalition building, mobilizing the entire healthcare industry around this issue at both the executive level and the provider level. And that's been our main goals thus far. And and
1: I'll say quickly, you know, to jump on that, you just did that recently, right? You brought together 18 uh, CEOs, and I believe doctors like yourself signed this open letter to all leadership in Congress. Can you tell people a little bit about what that was and what that was
2: about? Yeah, that was one of our many efforts to kind of, you know, galvanize healthcare industry folks uh, at all levels around gun violence prevention. And we we found it was a very appropriate time because um, the current administration had asked that a that $5 billion from the American Jobs Plan would be allocated towards violence intervention programs, which are programs that we know help to reduce gun violence, uh, help communities that are suffering, and, and really uh, kind of break the cycle of violence. So uh, this was an opportunity to really generate a letter. And as you mentioned, I, I believe it was now twenty two CEOs um that oh, form wow. Yeah, that, that 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 are from very large health systems and hospitals and that really form um the bulk of healthcare that's offered to Americans in this country and thousands and thousands of providers who sign on to this letter and it's really making waves. And I think it, it it's not only an advocacy type of goal, but it's also an awareness goal. There's a lot of education that needs to happen within the healthcare industry as yep. to how gun violence is a public health issue and why we should keep um, this as an important priority for all organizations.
1: You know, I'll say we have got, you know, John uh, on the show here has <laughs> fought for, for uh, and we'll get a little more political, fought for gay civil rights, LGBTQ uh, equality for a long time. And, uh, you know, you can jump in if you want on this, John, but I, I will say from right. my perspective, Is when things started to, you know, people can say whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, you know, whatever. But it is a thing, which is when it started to change when companies started to speak out and talk about equality because they have so much influence. They have so much funding they can put behind efforts. And that, to me, is why I thought what you're doing here is a huge, is so important. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that, John. But to me, this, this isn't just a, oh, yeah, you know, 18 or 22 CEOs when you're saying the bulk of healthcare systems, like this is huge because this is people saying who are in important positions, this is a problem. I don't know, whoever wants to no, no, jump no, on no. that. Or... Yes, I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chatham? Um,
2: yeah, yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen that, I think, with many social justice issues that when corporate America gets involved, um, waves start to be made. Uh, and, and, and I will say that, you know, healthcare organizations are, of course, corporations. Um, especially in America, at the same time, they have the added ability to really focus on these polarized issues from a healthcare lane. And we've seen that, you know, in the past, when it comes to other stigmatized topics like HIV, substance use, um, even tobacco, you know, it wasn't that long ago that doctors were smoking in hospitals, and it was actually taboo for healthcare institutions to speak out about tobacco companies. <clears throat> um, that all was changed. By viewing this as a healthcare issue, researching this topic, figuring out what works and what doesn't, and moving us more and more away from the gun control um, debate, because that's not what this is about.
3: Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha Steaks and Burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift. Guaranteed to be loved. Go to OmahaSteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99 you'll get 24 entrees. Like the world famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks incredible flavor, incredible value, and a 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com.
1: You know what, John? I wish no, what, would. Well, let me tell you, I wish this bag under my eye would just go away. Ooh, if that sounds like you, every morning you are not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, millions of Americans and women, men and women have other problems too. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, but we, we, hey. we won't even talk about that. We'll stick to the eyes. Okay, let's yeah. stick to the eyes. It, you see the new GenuCell serum with a plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines. Number 11s. I don't know, John. I don't see that. Anymore. Uh, crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love your product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. That's trust right there. Um, not only Susan, folks. I use it and love it. Um and with instant effects, you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. I guarantee it. That's actually, folks, a pretty good deal. 12 hours, man. Yeah. Order yeah. now and get 50% off all GenuCell packages for summer. Go to LoveGenuCell, that dot com slash Stephanie. Again, that's LoveGenuCell.com slash Stephanie. LoveGenuCell.com slash Stephanie. Go there now, guys. Unpuffy your eyes.
0: Cliff, who doesn't love hanging out in loungewear, especially with their puffy eyes?
1: I do every day. There you go. Whether my eyes are puffy or not.
0: Loungewear used to be code for hideously ugly sweats. I guess that would be huzz huzz.
1: Now they call Even- it podcast attire.
0: Podcast attire. <laughs> Even your pets have been judging you. That's a thing of the past with Cozy Earth. The people known for creating luxuriously soft, cool sheets made from viscous, which I will never learn how to pronounce, from bamboo, <laughs> have done it again. They've taken loungewear to another level with their comfy, super soft. Are they just making up words on us, John? I googled it; it's a real thing. I just wish they would tell us how to pronounce it because, like, viscous, v-i-s-c, viscous. I'm thinking viscous. What does it
1: mean? So we know and we can
0: tell people. It's some kind of material derived from plant, from trees. Fair, I'll let you go. So it is from bamboo. They've taken it's it's an artificial weaving stuff. Like rayon or whatever, but it's derived from from plants. From plants, apparently, they've taken lounger to another level with their comfy, super soft selections in gorgeous styles and colors. See why Oprah described Cozy Earth's pajamas as the softest ever in O Magazine. From wonderful pajama sets, leggings, and tees, every item is sourced from earth friendly viscose from bamboo for enhanced breathability and temperature regulation. You'll find something you can't lounge without at Cozy Earth. Best of all, go to cozyearth.com and enter the promo code Stephanie thirty five. That's Stephanie three five and save 35% on their loungewear and bedding. That's cozyearth.com. promo code Stephanie three five that's cozyearth.com. And I mean, I would say absolutely. I, I view this
1: as any public health issue is one that you have to hit from many lanes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you brought up smoking. I mean, smoking was about, you know, changing the age that, right, that, that for folks smoking, um, Oops, somebody's getting a call. It's all Mom, good. mom is uh, calling.
0: Sorry. We'll talk to her later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like like obviously carding going on more often and, and not being allowed to smoke in bars and restaurants and on airplanes. And I mean, obviously, you know, drive, we can bring up driving and drunk driving in the same vein, anything like that. Well, so there
0: are the yeah. – go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say you got me thinking of this, Cliff. Let me contradict you – or not contradict. Let me devil's advocate you. Making this health care – what would you say if somebody said, "Well, gosh, I mean, haven't we seen over the last year that healthcare, forget it." Nash, you know, I mean, it's that's the worst issue. They've they can they've the bad guys can politicize that like nobody's business. People just say, "Oh, I don't believe the scientists. I don't believe the experts."
2: That's a great point. You know? uh, I mean, yeah, COVID-19 has certainly um, in many ways politicized public health, unfortunately. And um, yeah, that that would be the caveat and I think that's something that we're increasingly going to have to deal with to your point, but that's like, I would have never a, thought about it, but
0: they've exposed something that I didn't think possible to this degree. I didn't think they were going to extrapolate from climate change to sort of, you know, dying of a pandemic and say, oh. I mean, literally online, I got people going, you know, Hey, you believe the CDC, you believe these scientists. I'm like,
2: yeah. Who do you, who do you believe? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Everybody, you know, people believed the CDC uh, when it came to tobacco or alcohol, or motor, or, or motor vehicle accidents, right? Like, everyone wears seatbelts now. Yeah. But that that was a big uphill battle at the time. Interesting. And, um, yeah, th- this climate has made that even more challenging. Yeah. Well, that's what I would say.
1: And I respect where you're coming from. And as I said, chatham I think this is an issue, like any public health issue, it needs to be tackled from many perspectives. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, you know, whether it's an argument over LGBTQ rights or abortion rights or Climate change, or what what far right elements have done, and there's some of this on the far left too. When they don't like stuff, is you know, if you politicize something, then you can get it into the space of he said, she said, you know. And so that that is the one thing here that that we've seen with vaccines, we've seen with with other things, which is well, you're the objective authority on this who's saying that this is bad. Now I don't accept you as an objective authority
0: anymore. Who knows what what the truth is. Yeah.
1: Um. And and so I do have to say that. Um. I mean, are you? I'll throw it to you. I mean, do you believe you're a doctor? Do you? What are your thoughts on? I mean, background checks, basic gun control
2: measures. Not speaking for Northwell. Speaking for you. Yeah. No. It's. I. I think. You know. To your point, every public health approach has always had common sense legislation with it, um, and policy measures. And I think. Uh, background checks, um, response, things that promote responsible gun ownership um, and limitations on, you know, weapons that don't need to be in civilian hands, of course, like assault weapons and so on. Yep. Uh, I'm fully supportive of that. And I think many healthcare workers are supportive of that. I will say our biggest collaborators are gun owners. You know, uh, I, there are so many gun owners who are for responsible gun ownership. Why wouldn't they be? Right. You know, why why, yep. why are they why would they be bothered by background checks? Right. It's it's not actually going to affect uh, them. And, and I would say that they are our biggest supporters and our biggest collaborators and our biggest proponents as well. And that message, I find, often gets very, very lost um, with the current political climate. Hmm.
1: No, I mean, I agree. Look, and, and, and we, you know, I used to shoot competitively when I went to camp rifles. But I did um, when I was younger. We don't demonize gun owners. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't think John does. Uh, that Some people on the other side will try to make it like that. Like, oh, you just want to grab all guns. I, I just want sane laws, like what we, you know, based on science, like what we've got in Canada, or like what you've got in, you know, other parts of Europe. Obviously, there's two very different models out there. <clears throat> you've got a model in, in the United Kingdom and Japan where it's almost impossible to own guns. Yeah. But you do have a model also where there's decent amount of gun ownership. In Western democracies, Canada, as I said, Switzerland, you know, some of the Scandinavian countries, and they don't try to, you know, sort of say nobody can own a gun. You just have to go through the kind of, you know, common sense measures that we would think when you, you know, the kind of things where what do we make you do when you're going to drive a car, which is a large piece of metal that can go very quickly and kill people, kind of like a bullet. Not a large piece of metal, but you get my point. Uh, I mean, it's making sure that, you know, you understand how to use that thing. And and so that's that's where I think the political argument is. The problem is there are people, uh, you know, on the far fringe who try to turn it into, oh, we're we're trying to take away everybody's guns. It's like, no, I just don't want anybody to be able to. You know, we just saw what happened in the Capitol yesterday with a guy threatening to blow up blow up bombs. That's somebody who should have to go through a background check to
2: get a gun. Hey, um, exactly. that's yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's spot on. And I, I'm I'm actually Canadian. Uh, I only oh, moved okay. three years ago. Welcome, yeah. me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and, and, and that's that's the unfortunate part of this is, is how hard it is to find common ground. Because at the end of the day, everybody or most people want safe communities. And this is all geared towards that. Um, and finding that common ground is really challenging.
1: So, you know, what I'd really like to give people uh, an idea of is you talked about this grant that was going to you and you talked about sort of gun violence prevention measures. Uh, can you give me like an idea of some of the specifics of what we're talking about that you guys do or might do so that, you know, that in a way, a public health way that would help prevent it for the future, prevent future gun violence?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, for a little background. So the grant we received is from the National Institutes of Health, and we were one of eight centers to get the first round of uh, NIH funding in many decades from Congress. And as many of you know, gun violence prevention research has really not been funded up until Again, 2009, 2019, because it was largely uh, That got prohibited. politicized, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that got politicized, you know, folks.
0: That, you mean funded by the government, I assume? Fund,
2: yes, yes, okay. funded by the government. There is private philanthropy, you know, uh, privately funded research. But if you look at the number of research dollars that's gone to gun violence prevention compared to other leading causes of death, like heart disease and cancer, when gun violence itself oh. is year after year a leading cause of death, it's it's, you know, barely anything right Uh, barely barely anything even this first round is only 25 million you're comparing that to billions for these other diseases so if you view this as a disease and you look back in history we know very little about gun violence prevention what works and what doesn't but we do know that some things work and they need to be further evaluated so one of our focuses at northwell is um We're launching an ambitious kind of universal screening protocol where we're going to ask every patient who comes into our emergency departments confidentially, we're going to ask them questions related to um, firearm injury risk. So, those include questions about access to a firearm inside or outside of the household, not ownership. This is not about, again, this is not about gun control or ownership. This is about access. Um, And we're going to ask questions related to violence risk, which have been shown to predict future gun violence uh, down the road. We're going to ask those questions. So those, que- those, those other questions are, are, I'll give you an example. Some of them are, you know, how many times have you heard a gunshot in the last six months, six months in your community? Mm. They're not necessarily questions related to access, but they are questions that can produce, uh, sorry, that can predict somebody's violent, uh, violence risk down the road. Mm. So by asking those questions, We hope to screen patients for injury risk level and then uh, offer appropriate resources. So if you have access to a weapon, you know, we're going to institute provider-based counseling on firearm safety. Your doctor will talk to you about that, give you a gun lock, tell you where firearm uh, safety courses are in your community. If you screen positive for violence, you're going to be hooked up with a violence interrupter organization in the community that can then provide you resources to break that violence cycle.
0: Will people be comfortable telling you they have
2: guns? That's what we're going to see. That that's what part of the research you is. Know? Yeah, and and to be honest, a lot of the screening in healthcare in the past for firearms has been targeted. We hope that by taking a universal approach, where we ask everybody, no different right. than we ask about, do you have a pool at home and kids? Right. Do you do you wear seatbelts? Do you wear a helmet? If we take that approach, and that hey, we just ask everyone. We hope to normalize the conversation. Yeah. I- is a huge thing when it comes to this topic.
0: Well, you know what you might at least get, I have a hard time believing again, I'm just going to devil's advocate here, but I have a hard time believing you're going to get the, you know, the gun guys to admit to you, they've got a gun to some guy in the hospital, writing it down. Whereas, somebody on the left who has a gun might be willing to say it because they're not as conspiratorial. You know what I mean? But it would, but otherwise I could, but you know, the way they are about record keeping and everything else, that's, that would be my concern, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't get half of them, which is still something.
2: Yeah. 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 No, you're right. And surprisingly, you know, a lot of this research has been done in this space has been in in pediatricians offices Hmm. where, you know, families come in with their kids. And that's a really nice opportunity to just, you know, while you're talking about Again, do you have a pullet? Do, do you use safety gates on your stairs? You know, Do you have access to a firearm? Because right. that, that could potentially cause your kid to accidentally shoot themselves. But here are some measures to help you lock up that firearm if you want to use. You know, there, There's been, the evidence has shown that thus far, many families actually want that discussion to happen. Right. E- even gun owners. So right. we'll see